Al Simon, Sanford Training. Welcome to you to Simon Says Let's Talk Business. Once again, another episode, a great episode today. We've got two wonderful guests on our, on our show. Simon Says Let's Talk Business. Again, I'm your host, Al Simon. This, this show is really all about spotlighting terrific business people in Metro Atlanta. And today we've got two great ones. We're going to share best practices. You're going to learn about uh, some, some ways that you can benefit as you're listening in. Uh, you're also going to want to maybe uh, contact uh, these two terrific guests. So make sure you have uh, information or a pen and pencil ready to take down uh, the uh, connection uh, information as we finish each part of the segment. But today I've got two terrific guests. I've got Sharon Catter with Catter Design Group. Sharon, welcome to the show. Thank you. And, um, and I've also got John Austinson. John, you are the co-founder and CEO of 10X Brands. Welcome. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Looking forward to this. Uh, and again, we're just going to talk about what you're doing, how you got here, why it's good, how people can benefit, and, and any, any uh, advice you can share with our listeners that they can really take advantage of. And then as always, at the end of our show, uh, I will share a, a, a sales tip from some questions that listeners have sent in to us. Okay, so let's start, John, let's start with you, 10X Brands. All right, so you're talking about uh, uh, franchise investment opportunities, right? And there's two ways you do that. Is that right? Well, first of all, why don't you tell us how you got into that business, and then you can tell us about the two different avenues for investment in franchising. Absolutely. So going back a number of years, spent most of my career in the corporate world uh, with some pretty large Fortune 500 companies, had a great run. But like so many out there, I had that itch to uh, to make the jump into entrepreneurship. And, you know, I, I kind of eased my way into it. So a little over Three years ago, I uh, took the plunge, and uh, my first role was uh, to serve as president up for a large national franchise system, ran all the marketing teams, call center technology, product development, uh, had a great experience, and with, within about six months, worked with the board, uh, along with the founder of the, the franchise system, to actually spin off as our own business. And uh, so we got the opportunity to work with franchisees across a number of brands, uh, really enjoyed doing that for a few years. And then we, we really saw an opportunity and decided to exploit it and jump in. And what that was is 10X Brands. And with 10X Brands, like you said, there's two different avenues that we provide to uh, prospective business owners and or investors. One is more active, one is more passive. Uh, On the active side, I work through the franchise consulting company affiliated with them. I work with about 400 different brands across all industries. Uh, Just great brands that have uh, strong leadership teams, great profit models, uh, you know, a lot of momentum and potential, ones that we're proud to put in front of our clients. And so those interested in business ownership, I walk them through the process, and we eventually uh, you know, play matchmaker and, and help them select the right opportunity. Secondly, and this marries very well to that, is uh, we actually uh, provide a passive route for investors through our equity funds. Uh, so along with two other business partners um, that have great experience in franchising, we have come together and uh, purchased home services brands in the Atlanta area. Uh, that's kind of our niche, you know, we, and we expand on that to some degree, but uh, with those funds, we allow uh, investors to uh, passively put their money in, put it to work, and uh, provide some great diversification from everywhere else they have their capital today. So that's the passive side. You don't have to run a business. You can just invest in a bunch of businesses. Huh? It, it, it's active on our side, but passive yeah. for, uh, for the client. Okay. So which is the most popular uh, you know, both are, it, you know, we have some that participate in both, uh, some clients, uh, you know, again, we're targeted really within the home services space, within a few auxiliary businesses. 
However, you know, there's so many out there, whether they be in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, that have that dream of being a business owner. And instead of just taking the traditional path of, you know, starting something, hoping it works, looking for that great idea, uh, you know, a big part of what I do is really that education side, helping them consider franchising, the benefits that it provides. Uh, You know, oftentimes people think of franchising as Subway and McDonald's. It is so much more than that. Subway McDonald's. Oh, you know, across the 400 brands we work with, probably 20 are in the food space. Oh, really? Um, And so there's a large education piece that I'm out there. I've got a book coming out next month. I'm working and doing the speaker circuit, really trying to educate those out there on what franchising is and the benefits that it can have for them. Yeah, we were talking before the show. You mentioned something I thought was very interesting. You said that more and more uh, young people coming right out of school are interested in small business ownership. I mean, you know, in my my perspective, it's always been people who were in the corporate world mm-hmm. for a while, you know, 20 years or whatever. And then they decide to get out of that and, and, and buy a business or, or start a business, which is like what I did. Uh, and, and But you're saying more and more younger people are into that, right? And that, how is that good or not good? Well, the benefits would be uh, multi. Uh, first of all, it's easier to get financing. So SBA loans are very common, uh, conventional yeah. bank loans, because you've got that predictability. The franchise disclosure document that every franchise system out there has shows an item 19 and an item 7. What are the all-in cost? What are the all-in uh, projected revenues based on all the franchisees in the system? So there's a great model. You've got um, you know essentially a coach on the sidelines in that franchisor. You've got a playbook that's been proven out. You just need to follow the playbook. And then you've got a peer group of other franchisees that serve as a great community and support system where you're exchanging best practices, learnings. Uh, It really is a no-brainer for a lot of folks once they realize, um, you know, what what it entails and the opportunities that are out there. Okay. So it's interesting. So you've got a bunch of people coming out of school, and they're not interested in that big corporate blanket, the salary, the benefits. They really want to have their own business. Yeah, you know, in 23-year-olds, I've got to be honest, that's not the right fit for every system. But I do have several clients today who are in the early 20s, mid-20s, who are partnering with potentially a parent. So the parent's bankrolling. They're able to utilize the mentoring and coaching um, and be a little more semi-absentee, whereas their child is running it. So yeah. I see that working. I also see, uh, you know, having gone to grad school myself, and there are a lot of folks in grad school that were trying to wrestle with what to do afterwards. They don't want to go back to the corporate world, but they didn't know what that answer was. And that's where, uh, you know, I think this is the opportunity that should be considered for a lot of them. Excellent. Yeah. Let's pivot a minute because you mentioned that only 20 of the 400 or 20 or so of the 400 are fast food brands. So what are the most popular uh, industries, brands that uh, you see these days? You know, boutique fitness has been extremely hot. You know, boutique mm-hmm. fitness now represents over 60% of the fitness market. So lots of concepts in that area mm-hmm. that have been, uh, we've been doing a lot of deals on. Uh, health and wellness, um, you know, again, home services. There are a lot of niches out there. I mean, that's a $465 billion market, home services itself. And, you know, there's riches and niches. So you see riches. more and more fragmenting <laughs> yeah. and specialization. Uh, you know, senior care, you've got the silver tsunami, oh, yeah. 10,000 people turning 65 every day, constant inflow of clients, crowded market, but for good reason. Uh, so we're seeing different takes on in-home care and, and facility care. Um, and then, you know, a lot of disruptive brands out there, you know, Smash My Trash, Town Square, Clover, ones that play in different facets, but they have some degree of intellectual property or they've got a great leadership team that has established themselves doing something similar and now they're taking it to a new arena so i uh, have a lot of clients that say hey what is that you, you new thing that can't be replicated and, and you know i like to take them through some options yeah. <laughs> so yeah i, I want to explore that too because 
I, I don't know. I don't know that it used to be that people would go through a, someone like you who could help them navigate the franchise waters. Uh, how is it that you help people that are maybe don't know exactly what they want to do, but they want to own a business? Yeah, absolutely. And, and first of all, I'll say that you know my service is entirely free to my clients. Uh, you know, I'm paid by the franchisors on the back end. So yeah, it's almost like point. yeah, it's a, it's executive recruitment, if you will. Um, no, it's overwhelming. If you start Googling, there's roughly 4,000 franchise systems out there, uh, different brands. Uh, what we've done is we've narrowed those down to 400, again, with strong leadership teams, profit models, uh, great momentum and potential, uh, ones that we believe in and are proud to put in front of our, our clients. So that we've already narrowed it down by 10x, if you will. Um, and then from there, the process, you know, it's really getting to know that client. So I have several calls, consultative calls have them fill out some information. My goal is to educate them in the process, but to really also get to know them well because uh, so that I can figure out the right opportunity. So once we go through several calls, then um, I come back you know, and present them with five, six, seven brands that are available in their area, give them the overview. We get into some of the financial detail, uh, but then I know where to stop and introduce them to the franchisor. So the goal in the process is to get them down to two, at most three different opportunities that they then take that next step, have an intro call with the franchisor. Uh, and then if that you know first one goes well, then you have several of those. Eventually yeah. uh, you do what's called validation. And this is really neat about franchising. So you know, here's the franchisor promising all sorts of things. Well, you get to validate what they're saying by talking to all the other franchisees in the system. Hey, would you guys buy again today? What kind of support did you get after the fact? Um, so if the validation calls then go well, then you would be invited in for a discovery day where you really get to know the franchisor team, pull back the sheets, and uh, you know understand everything. So they can make a truly informed decision from two or three really good options. Yeah. Do, do they ever get paralysis analysis and just can't? simply make no, a decision? Never. No, never. <laughs> Do they ever not? Of course not. No, and, they, yeah. and that's part of the coaching that I provide along the way is, yeah. hey, you will get cold feet. You know, this yeah. is a big decision. We're going to do our very best. And, you know, at some point you're going to have to take that risk. Yeah. Um, now, to me, it's a whole lot less risk averse than if you were to go out and start a business on a whim. Oh, yeah. Um, however, it, it still, you know, makes a lot of people nervous, but especially living in the corporate world. Yes, I remember. It was. And again, <laughs> and again, you should be nervous sitting in the corporate world. So it depends on your perspective. There's that. Yeah, the the the, the days of 30 years and the gold watch and the pension are just not really a reality anymore. Absolutely. Are they? Yeah, yeah Absolutely. it's really not so much. Yeah. Okay, so tell you mentioned that you got a new book coming out. Tell us about the book. What do yeah, you got it's called going? Franchise Path. Should be launching next month and. Really, my goal, like, like I've shared here in the past few minutes, is to educate people on franchising. There's just a lot of uh, lack of knowledge, which has been eye-opening to me, that, that I see right and left people that I assumed uh, you know, had a good understanding of the, the industry. Um, so th- the book really, uh, you know, I worked with a partner on the book. She's a little more creative uh, th- than I am, but I put together the content. She helped me fill in the blanks. And what we've created is a fictional book. So Every other book out there on franchising is is nonfiction. This one is actually fiction. Follows uh, several several folks in their early 30s that uh, dream of business ownership. One steps out in the franchise oh, nice. direction. Other nice. ones, you know, another one's joining tech startups, and then the last one, you know, plays it safe and, and stays in the corporate world. But it picks up every five ten years, yeah. uh, and, and it helps educate uh, folks on a lot of aspects of what franchising. What a great idea! It reads like a storybook. Huh? Yeah, says, yeah. Five dysfunctions the, of yeah. a team with Lencioni. You know, yeah. That was. A, Good inspiration. Yeah, that, that is a good way to do it. People enjoy reading books that way. Absolutely. So, okay, so next month, that's called The Franchise Path? The Franchise Path. All right, very good. 
Um, also, understand you've got a big event coming up, uh, a, uh, a franchise expo. Tell us about that. We do. Looking forward to it. So we, we started these expos a few years ago, and it's just been wildly popular. And uh, we'll, we'll hold them in different cities around the U.S. Uh, you know, my backyard is Atlanta, and we'll be coming to Atlanta in May, uh, May 16th and 17th at the Cobb Galleria. Um, you know, happy to provide free tickets to your listeners. Uh, you know, we'll share with contact information in a okay. minute. But uh, feel free to reach out. would be happy to have you as my guest. Uh, it's just a, you know, no obligation, great experience. You come, you, you get to meet with, you know, 50, 60 different franchise brands uh, in a very nonchalant manner and kind of get a taste of things. Um, you know, the concept you've always dreamed of may be there that day, but uh, if nothing else, you'll pick up a, a little bit of education. And, you know, this is actually an interesting point. When I look at my clients, roughly 80, I'd say 85% have an idea of what they want to do uh, when we begin engaging. At the end of the day, of those 80 to 85%, probably another 80% end up doing something completely different. Do they? Once we peel back the onion, understand what are you good at? What do you enjoy doing? What do you want that day-to-day look like? What are your financial goals? That could be a number of different opportunities that match that uh, profile. Uh, so it, it is a fun journey just to kind of understand what's out there and, and peel it back. I can imagine. If, you're, if your paradigm is Subway and McDonald's, as you said, and you're thinking, yeah, I want to own a business but not sure how, until you have that kind mm-hmm. of, uh, of education and really understand what are the options and, and how does it fit my goals, I can imagine that, that you know, their thought process does change yeah. a lot. And quite a, you know you start looking around it quite a few businesses out there that you don't know are franchised are franchised like sandler is an example sandler's a great yeah, one. yeah it's an example okay so john now you mentioned again this is al simon with sandler training and the show is simon says let's talk business on uh, business radio x we're in the beautiful sinesta hotel and the uh, subaru studio with the show today, and we've been talking with John Austinson of 10X Brands, talking about franchising. John, you mentioned the book, you mentioned the expo, and, and so it, let's make sure that our, our listeners can contact you. What's the best way to contact you? Yeah, dr- drop a note to me, John at 10xbrands.com, and that's John, no H, so J-O-N at 10xbrands.com, 10xbrands.com. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, so again, that's John, J-O-N, no H, John at 10xbrands.com. Dot com and 10x is the number 10 and then x brands you got it got it okay so hey folks contact john to talk about franchising if nothing else uh put uh, may 16th and 17th on your calendar to to go to the uh, cobb galleria cobb galleria for the uh, expo yeah, we would love right? to have you hey listen it's great having you on this is terrific stuff i I'm, i know so many people who would like to own a business or do own a business, wish they didn't own the business they own, things like that, you can help them, right? Absolutely. Okay. I've seen success story after success story. Not everyone is a wildly successful yeah. one, but by and large, it, a lot more doing well than, than not. So yeah. I would love to engage with them and help in any way I can. I can't uh, wait to read your book. I want to hear some of these stories. This is great. Yeah, looking awesome. forward to it. Okay, agree. Good, John. So let's uh, let's focus on Sharon. Sharon, welcome. Sharon Catterin. Thank you. Catter Design Group. You're one of those folks that had a business career or a corporate career, right? And then, and then, this, yes, yeah. So tell us about your journey. Oh my goodness. Well, I moved here in 1989, and I worked for the big top 100 architecture firms in Did you? Buckhead, and uh, okay. it was kind of like a sweatshop, you know, working long hours and traveling and. 
Um, you know, they would hire designers, you know, in the fat times, lay them off in the lean times. And uh, so I was getting laid off every year, every other year. It was crazy. So I said, you that know what? Crazy. I'm going to do my own thing. Yes, let's take, let's get control of the career here. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that is the big thing, you know, with with folks that might be contacting John is is, is a lot of it is you know they just not they're, in the corporate world you're not in control, right? You're not. You, you just don't really have. I mean, no matter how good you are, there's still that politics and that stuff. And I was never very good at navigating the political waters, so right. that's why I left and got my own business. But uh, so tell us about design. You do commercial interior design, right? In your yes. Company. Tell us yes. about Catcher Design Group and what do you do? The company is 28 years old. So you started when you were one. When I was 12, yeah. yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I've been around a while. I know how that goes. Um, yeah. Specializing in commercial interiors, so office and industrial space mainly. And industrial, and okay. Over the course of my career, yes. Okay. Uh, light manufacturing, that type of thing. So Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is probably a whole different game than just an office, right? It was a whole yes. different set of things that you've got to deal with, right? Yes. With light manufacturing, you're analyzing mm-hmm. their manufacturing flow process yes. and, you know, designing the layouts of the production. Okay. So, so space layout is more important than aesthetics, maybe? Uh, Am I guessing or not? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Right. In that case, yes. But you still have mm-hmm. to have a work environment that, that can be productive and effective, right? I mean, exactly, yes. So, so the process starts with... Um, I'm usually given, like, uh, for office space, I'm usually given the shell, the building shell okay. uh, from the architect, from the building architect. And then I start talking to the client, meetings with the client, designing their program. So we have a program. We need X number of conference rooms, X number of offices. And then I start the space plan, space planning process. Okay. And uh, then I submit the preliminary plan for approval. And then we go to pricing drawings, and I add notes and electrical plan, and contractors can bid the work based on those pricing drawings. And the pricing come in, comes in apples to apples most of the time. Does it's it? a very concise set of drawings. And then we uh, get approval on that, and we go to construction drawings okay. for permit. So. Okay, so so who uses your services? Leasing agents, property managers, who else? Yes, all of the above. Building owners. Um, mm. Sometimes I'm I'm contracted directly with the end user. Um, I've done work for VMware AirWatch, and there I'm contracted directly with the company. So my contract is with them rather than their landlord. Okay. Um, and uh, like I just finished uh, Mincy Marvel headquarters in Gainesville. And I designed that building from the inside out. So Really? Yes. So they have a 33,000-square-foot two-story office building, okay. a 350,000-square-foot manufacturing plant. So, And uh, what I did was I went in. This is the second building I've designed for Mincy Marble. And what I did was I went in and, and figured out what they needed from an interior standpoint uh, and designed their space from the inside out. So we started with the space plan. And then I gave the space plan back to the base building architect and said, this is what, how I want it to look. So, so Obviously, that went well. That's why you're using it as an example. Huh? Is, that, yes. is that unusual to do inside out? It, it is unusual to do it yeah. that way. I did it that yeah. way with Georgia Crown in uh, their corporate headquarters down in McDonough, their liquor distribution company in McDonough. Okay. Um, and I did that with Mincy Marble. Twice. This is my second building I've designed for Mincy Marble. So they're in Gainesville. Yes. They're in Mc- Gainesville. They're in McDonough. That's only yes. like, you know, 400 miles in between those two places. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Most of my work is in and around metro Atlanta area, yeah. but okay. uh, yeah. That's uh, as far nor- north as I've gone and as far south as I've gone. <laughs> okay, so you work in all of metro Atlanta, basically. Yes. All right, yes. very good. All right, and, and it says here you're NCIDQ licensed. What yes. is that? Yes, so I am a Georgia licensed interior designer. So that means I can stamp my own plans, So, like, okay. an, ar- like an architect, but I studied interior design. That's what my degree is in. Okay. And uh, that means I passed a series of exams and became a licensed designer in the state of Georgia. Okay. So that's very important because a lot of people can call themselves interior designers and they're actually not. They don't have the education. They haven't passed the exam. Um, okay. Just like an architect, you got to know codes. you got to know gotta laws. you got to know all the codes, yeah. everything, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm glad you're doing it, not me. That's a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, and you're, of course, a women, women-owned business, which is awesome. Yes. And a lot mm-hmm. of people like to work with women-owned businesses. And you've been around for a long time, 28 years. Yes. You're, you're licensed with NCIDQ, and uh, you, have, you know what you're doing here. Why <laughs> else would people use your services versus, let's say, someone else who does interior design? Um, for me, I think my strength has always been in space planning. I'm a very yeah. strong space planner, so I get you the best bang for the buck as far as your square footage is concerned, yeah. which is important when you're in a building like in Buckhead and you're paying over $100 per square foot, yeah. you know, uh, for your space. So it's, it's very important to get, you know, um, th- and there's really only... When you're space planning, there's really only one good, you know, answer to the puzzle, so to speak, yes. which will solve your client's needs, meet all the code requirements, yes. and meet the budget. So, you know, it's interesting you said that. You know, as a as a sales trainer, and, and I, I see lots of different training rooms, conference rooms, and other yes. you know, commercial space, and 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 so many of them are poorly designed for what they need to be doing you know, functionally. Exactly. And uh, I can see where where if you you know, don't just go out and buy furniture or, or, you know, go out and, you know, have a space that's, you know, so many in dimensions, but talk to you first, right? Wouldn't that be helpful if they talk to you first? Yes, exactly. do all that stuff? Exactly. Sometimes yeah. I'm brought in by the landlord, like, you yeah. know, landlords or building owners will give me a building and say, you're going to space plan every tenant that comes in yes. or goes out. So, um, you know, and then the next tenant coming in behind them. So I'm the building space planner for some industrial office parks and some mid-rise buildings in the metro Atlanta area. Um, But then I'm also contracted directly with the end user. Okay. Like like the Mincy Marvels and Georgia Crown. Is there a certain size project that you try to stay within? No, I've designed, like I said, you know, Mm -hmm. 450,000 square feet and, you know, all the way down to... uh, you know, maybe a 5,000-square-foot office space in a huge warehouse. Okay. So. Very mm-hmm. good. Once again, we're talking with Sharon Catter with Catter Design Group, and she knows what she's doing with commercial interiors. And uh, w- and we, p- we appreciate you sharing with us today. Thank Sharon. you. Thank you for having me. How do our listeners get a hold of you? What's the best way? Um, through my website, or they can email me, scatter at catterdesigngroup.com. And that's C-A-T-T-E-R for Catter. Yes. S-Catter at CatterDesignGroup.com. Yes. That's the best way. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, this is interesting. Now, this is, this is okay, so we got a one-stop shop here today. So someone who wants to own their own business can work with John, and as soon as they realize they have to have a facility to do the business, they can talk to Sharon. You call me. 
<laughs> hey, we got this figured out. It works well. Exactly. Hey, well, this is great. Well, Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. John, appreciate you being here. This has been a great show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. It. Thank you, Al. Thank you for sharing your best practices with our listeners. Again, talk to these folks. Contact these folks. Take advantage of their expertise, and you will not be you will not have any regrets. This again, the Al Simon with Sandler Training, and the, the show is Simon Says, Let's Talk Business. And we'll end the show today, as we usually do, with a question sent in by uh, listeners. The question today on sales from a listener is, how do I get my teams? This is obviously from a sales manager over a business owner that runs a sales team. How do I get my team to get higher in the account? Oh, yes. How do you get higher in the account? Well, there's a couple things here. One is a mindset, and probably the most important part is, is, is the sales professional's mindset. And the second part is just technique. How do you do things a certain way? And there's two different scenarios that, that we have. One scenario is where maybe there was an inbound lead, and so you end up connecting with someone because of the inbound lead, and that's where you're, you know, that, that's where you're slotted. Whoever that was that sent in the lead, that's where you start, and you end up kind of getting stuck there. Uh, if they're not high enough in the organization. The other one is when you maybe are proactive and you do call high in the account, but then you get what I call shunted down. You know, so you know, the CEO says, uh, hey, Al, you know, I, I, I think we're interested, you know, but I've got someone who, who does that for me. You know, I want you to call her, you know, whatever. That, so you get shunted down to the person below the, the, uh, the, the uh, higher uh, ranking person. I want, to, I want to talk first about the mindset here because the mindset really rules it all. Most of the time when sales professionals are not calling high enough uh, in an account, it's not because they don't have you know, the database information to call high enough. It's because they don't feel they belong. In, you know, I always tell my clients, you have every right to be in the CEO's office at Coca-Cola. You should walk in there and be confident because you've got something that person needs. They just don't know it yet. But somehow the mindset is, you know, knees shaking. You know, this person's probably too busy to see me. Won't give me the time of day. And, you know, and then the voice gets weak and, and the demeanor gets weak. And then the sales call just blows up. And it's all because of the mindset. We have to have this adult-to-adult mindset that, that says, I belong. This person needs what I got. They just don't know it yet. I got I got uh, one colleague who teaches his clients that uh, that person's got my money and I want it. <laughs> That's their mindset going in uh, when they're prospecting. And and, and uh, you know it probably sounds a little crass just saying it that way, but if the mindset is a whole lot different than how you say things and what you say. Uh, and mindset has to be so strong. Uh, and if it's not, that's that's one of the main reasons people contact me in the first place is because they they you know they lack confidence or. Uh, they're just not sure that they can call high enough, and those conceptual roadblocks are huge, and we work hard on those. But on the technique side, you know, the, the two different scenarios, you're either slotted there because of an inbound lead or you get shunted down when you're proactive. The whole point of, of that is that you've got to have leverage to go back up. So let's say you get slotted. I get an inbound lead, and let's say that John, you know, sends me an inbound lead, and, uh, you know, but Sharon is John's boss. Okay, so... I'm talking to John because he's the one that sent me the lead. You know, I've got to ask questions of John, like, John, how do you all go about making a decision like this? Who all gets involved? Or, who, John, who do you involve in this process? Or who do you run it by? Or, and, and so questions like that help me understand, 
you know, the buying process that that company has and maybe the uh, level of authority that John has vis-a-vis someone else. It's pretty common in uh, large corporate structures for, you know, the VP level can approve up to 50000 and then the senior vice president level can approve up to 150000 or whatever. They have those different uh, slots, and you have to know what they are. And, you, and how do you know? You ask. You simply ask. But you don't ask John in a way that makes him sound like he's just a pawn, right? Hey, John, obviously you don't make this decision. I mean, who you got to get it approved by? You don't, you don't say that, right? You don't, obviously you don't say that. So you say, John, who else do you involve when you make a decision like this? And that's a much easier way to do it. Makes John feel like he's just as important as anybody. By the way, which he is, right? Because he could easily not let me get to Sharon very easily. Uh, and then if I go above his head to Sharon without John's uh, approval, then I burn that bridge with John. He can, you know, he works there, so he can sabotage me while I'm not around, which is going to be most of the time. So you got all these different psychological things going on, and you've really got to have that conduit, and you've got to say things like, John, so you're telling me that Sharon gets involved, and she also and ultimately approves, uh, and based on your recommendation, right? Don't you typically, and she, t- she typically takes your recommendation. Would that be true? And then John answers that question. And then I would suggest, John, why don't you and Sherry and I get together and talk through the objectives here, and then you and I can go through any uh, of the logistics that need to happen afterwards. Does that sound fair? Something like that would get you in a nice spot with John and still have that conduit to Sharon if you need it. Now, in the situation where you're shunted down, so Sharon says, Al, you know, I'd love to talk to you about this. I think we're interested, but really i got a guy that handles this. His name is John. Contact John. Then I've got to do it a different way. Because as soon as I start talking to John, he might keep me from going back up to Sharon unless I keep that conduit open. So I'll say to Sharon, Sharon, I appreciate that. I would certainly talk to John. I mean, uh, would you introduce me? She says yes. Then I say, and Sharon, after I talk with John, would, would you be okay if I uh, called you up or sent you an email and, uh, telling you what John and I talked about with the next steps or things like that, keeping you in the loop? And if she says, she's probably going to say yes. Most of the time they do. But if she says no, then I know that I've got a problem. I've got a ceiling that I'll have to break through at some point, maybe, if John can't make it happen. Uh, but this is a great question that our listeners sent in because this happens so often. Again, the biggest problem is psychological. The lesser of the problem is the technique. We work on both. So if you're having this issue, give me a call. Al Simon at Sandler Training. Our number is 770-622-7000. 770 And that's a wrap. On our show today, Simon Says Let's Talk Business on Business Radio X. John Ostensen, thank you, sir. Sharon Catter, thank you, ma'am. And good selling. (music) 